Come one, come all to the After Dark Podcast. The podcast in which Sheriff Anthony does his best to wrangle Conrad through Westworld, one doggone episode at a time. So kick back and grab yourself some Apple Jack, or some Adam's Ale if that's your preferred poison, and get ready for these two wannabe cowboys to ramble the night away. Music is provided by the fantastic Nancy White and Jared Iscariot. Enjoy the show! Hello and welcome to the Afterlife Podcast. My name is Anthony James and that's Conrad. Howdy, hello. Howdy, hello, Conrad. How are you this week? <laughs> I'm very well. Uh, I've decided to bridge the cultural gap uh, between us here in the UK <laughs> and our friends in America by responding with a hello in both cultures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't wait till we do 1899 and you're going to be making, what do you say, bon voyage? No, what, do you, what would you say as a sailor? <laughs> um... A, a, a vast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ahoy and a vast. Ahoy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All yeah. right. Okay. So this week we are we are in the lucky position to have an episode of Westworld without any Lee Sizemore. Oh, it's like a breath of fresh air. I'll tell you what, like England are in the, the, the European Championship final and Westworld doesn't have any Lee Sizemore in it. I could not ask for a better week. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This week is doing, it's a, it's a fantastic week. Yeah. Um, if anyone didn't know, this uh, this week we are going to be covering Akira on the best movie podcast ever. I don't usually try and mm. cross, cross streams, but I haven't seen it before. Conrad has, and he says that it might have similar themes to things we've covered on the channel before. Yeah, lots of um, lots of issues of like, uh, well, it, it, yeah, it's kind of it's sci-fi, weird cyber magic-y kind oh. of stuff. Uh, you know, like when technology becomes indistinguishable from magics, it's so advanced. That kind of thing. That sounds right up my alley. So I'm going to watch that tonight. So look out for our thoughts on that next Friday. Right now, though, we're going to get into Westworld. What do you think, Conrad? Uh, I believe we should do it. Oh, let's break it down. I said we have no Lee Sizemore this week. What we do have is another uh, Bernard and Dolores scene where they're talking in the little basementy place, it looks like. Uh, yes. So any thoughts coming out of this opening, Conrad? Well, I, I, so there's one thing I did actually want to say, which isn't to do with this scene, but it is to do with a certain credit that we got before this that I wanted to make mention of. Fucking Neil Marshall, the director of Dog Soldiers and The Descent and some Game of Thrones episodes, directed this episode of Westworld. Which Makes sense. I, I was like, Holy shit, Neil Marshall. And and um, funnily enough, I also realized that uh, Ramin Jawadi, uh, who did the score for Game yeah. of Thrones, does the score for uh, Westworld as yeah. well, which makes me immediately just be like, oh, okay, this guy's amazing. Like the, the, the score for Game of Thrones is great. And then the score uh, for Westworld so far is great. Yeah. But um, yeah, I wanted to make mention of that because Neil Marshall is a great director and it immediately put me um, on... Not on edge. What's the word? It, it just made me excited for this, uh, for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the edge of your seat. Yeah. Um, so uh, Bernard and, <laughs> and, and Dolores meeting here. Um, the, uh, he gives uh, he gives Dolores a copy of uh, Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like perhaps Dolores's outfit is designed to reflect that. <laughs> perhaps, given she's wearing a blue and white dress. Yeah. Um, well, they did say they had other books in the past, so maybe it's just like a, a little wink at the camera, maybe. Yes. Yeah. It could oh, be. you. Oh, yeah. You mean the costume designers of the show? Yeah, just not just the, the costume, costume designers of Westworld. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, maybe both. So it could be. It's, it's a better joke. Yeah. Um, 
and we get we get a weird line when you know they're having their usual kind of um shady conversation where uh, bernard is asking questions that he perhaps shouldn't be asking mm. um when uh, dolores asks him where his son is and and bernard responds nowhere that you would understand mm. um which by the end of the episode does make sense um but uh what makes sense for a different reason than what i uh, than why I thought it made sense at so the what time. What did you think? What did you think it meant? At the time, I was like, "Well, they're definitely in space because <laughs> because because if it if it was just like, oh, he's with his mum in another city, like Dolores probably understands the concept of cities. Like you could be like, oh, you know, he's in California. Lots of like, people she, there, yeah, yeah. Like she she would understand that presumably, but um, but by the end of it, it's like oh, okay. Um, it actually, if, funnily enough, when we find out what what happens to Bernard's son, um, it makes this comment a lot more interesting mm. because it implies certain things about the uh, host's sense of, con- I guess, consciousness and like their place in a a more kind of cosmic scheme of things, and and basically cosmic. implies that they can't possibly understand the idea of an afterlife or you know a, a, a god which i don't necessarily agree with in the context of this show i don't think yeah uh so okay that's interesting so when i first heard that my brain immediately went to just doesn't understand the concept of death in general it could um, be death yeah that but, is but that's actually, a fair point yeah but actually not, not even on an emotional level but on like a factual level they sort of probably do understand what death is because it does happen to them a lot um yeah, well, some more uh, than others or they believe it happens to them a lot you know what i mean teddy, but... teddy's three for three in this episode or actually four for three in this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> teddy oh geez but uh but yeah so it, it's interesting that you your your brain went to afterlife there mm. um well, it's, it's because of all like the voice of god stuff that we get later mm. in the episode um this idea of of the hosts being and and it's a recurring theme in this episode to be honest and in fact in this 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 season so far um but this idea that the the um the like the hosts are programmed to hear the voice of god um but they're not um they're not like they, they can't possibly understand what that actually means we go to the next scene with dolores waking up again so if you talk about teddy dying all the time well every episode you can mark your bingo card there dolores has woken up in her bed yeah i get i haven't really thought about that actually so is the implication because we see in this scene the man in black by the end of this scene uh the man in black doing something similar to dolores that he or it's implied he's doing something similar to her or has done something similar to her um as he did to Maeve in the flashback that Maeve was experiencing in the in the previous episode we see him yeah. kind of advancing on her with his big bow, bowie knife um to you know do something knife. horrible yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so you've played knifey spoony before um, <laughs> um so i guess it's implied she's dying then and coming back with each with each day or am I misinterpreting that? Is she just waking up in the same I think loop? That's just, I, I think that's the start of her character loop. Um, oh, okay. Whether she dies or not, I think that's just the start of her character loop. Like, obviously, if she dies, she'll have to reset her loop. But also, if she, like, sees out the day and no newcomer has talked to her or anything, then yeah. it would probably start her loop again anyway. Okay. Um, or every day, every two days. I don't know how long it takes them to reset the machines, you know. So, But, um, but yeah, it seems that that's the start of her character loop. She wakes up and then she goes about her day and that's when things could happen to her, you know. Yeah, that's when someone will pick up her tin of peaches and yeah. 
offer assistance or not as the case may be as we find out in this episode two of the most unimaginative visitors being like i'll tell you who i want to get in with and that's these low-level bandits that that we found um but that's actually interesting to me that's very interesting to me i i want to talk to you about that later on because those bandits who that newcomer guy who's with the bandits yeah, I have some questions about that, to be honest with you, for, with what happens later in the episode, and I'd love to talk to you. Them okay. Them later. Yeah. Um, or but maybe yeah, we're so just, I, maybe we're talking about a different newcomer. The uh, uh, the, the the guy with the like the greasy blonde hair who almost gets into a fight with Teddy. Yeah, in particular, that guy. So I'm thinking of yeah, he yeah. We'll talk about him later. I've got some thoughts on him and his and potentially the other. I think there might be other visitors who kind of fall in with that gang as well, or maybe they're hosts. I'm not sure. It's hard to tell sometimes. Um, yeah. Well, there's, but- there's new storylines happening and stuff, so it's not it's not easy to tell. Also, um, so, so later on when I talk about that later on, either you or the audience might have to correct me on it because maybe I just miss mistook something. But you'll let let me know it later. Okay. Anyway, but anyway, she's woken up. Uh, she looks at the gun in her drawer. Uh, yeah. She's what she dug up out of the out of the garden. Um. Her, the new dad, who's not the original one, lets the yeah. cattle cattle out. Hates painting. He, he despises hates. painting. This one. He hates it, but he but he's he's good at herding the cattle. Let's say that. Yeah. Um. And she seems to remember the man in black visiting, as you said. Um. Even though she's been reset since, so she is properly remembering things now. Because in the mm-hmm. first episode, when the man in black visited, it seemed like that was what happened when they went into the the the, the shed. You know what I mean? When yeah. he dragged her away. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's it's um yeah, it kind of goes back to what I was saying previously about it seeming to be something to do with trauma, unlocking memories, or or maybe it's just what he actually does to them with the knife um is is like affecting something mechanical in them that unlocks these uh, unlocks these memories. But certainly, the man in black seems to have found a way to give these these hosts that he is targeting or has targeted access to their previous previous memories and storylines as a as a, a means of uh to quote ford from later in this episode uh bootstrap consciousness which is a yeah. lovely a lovely expression <laughs> that he uses yeah i thought that was really good great as well yeah uh all right the next scene our boy william uh, mcpoyle william mcpoyle is sauntered down the town uh yeah. white hat on and um Looks like a maths teacher who's just put a cowboy hat on to me. He's just got he's got like the kind of tweed jacket and that and and just happens to be wearing a Stetson. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's got that look about him. Uh, so basically, he's like watching like a bounty being delivered and then escaping and shooting up, and he finally uh, he finally kills a host, um, and he yeah. just sort of partakes in what Logan wanted him to do. Yeah, um, Logan. Yeah, so proud. what did you think about him taking that step? Did you think it was believable? Um. Yeah, I think so. I think the fact that he he was shot first um, keeps it consistent with his character. Like that, even with May, uh, not Maeve, um, Clementine, Clementine under threat, um, he he was unable to um, unable to bring himself to inflict violence, and only could only do it in response to violence being inflicted upon him. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting step for his character. I don't see him suddenly going trigger happy like Logan. Um, but uh but it's a yeah i feel like this um this development for his character by the end of this scene we certainly see us a, uh, a kind of new level of assuredness with him basically telling logan like all you want to do is have sex with everything and kill kill stuff um 
Uh, to which Logan responds, like, oh, I'm just waiting for the good storylines to turn up. Um, and, and William's like, okay, well, you stay here and I'm going to go. I like he, he sort of takes charge of his own destiny to a certain extent um, when he's like, I'm going to go off and find some find some trouble to get into while you stay here having the most boring time you could possibly imagine, um, which is a nice, a nice shift in the power dynamic. And we also get it confirmed in this scene that they are, in fact, uh, going to be brothers-in-law, which is which was kind of implied and we discussed it last week, although I I, I I would have missed it were it not for you pointing me in the right direction, to be honest. Well, you would have got there eventually. I just didn't remember we got the confirmation, so that's why I wanted to talk about it last week. If I had known yeah. this confirmation was coming, maybe I wouldn't have dug into it as much. Um, but I, maybe I would have because I wanted to seem smart. Uh, but basically, <laughs> uh, Logan, yeah, I, li- I like Logan in this scene because he's just showing himself to... He's not Again, it's sort of the unempathetic nature of him. We talked about last week how he doesn't care. He doesn't really care about the... Uh, the experience of William no. here. He only cares about his own experience. He just wants to go on. And we also found out it's 40k a day. So Yeah, 40 grand a day. Like, oh yeah. my god. Like the the this this put because because this is this was originally written by Michael Crichton. It put me back in mind of the um uh he's not Richard Hammond. What's his name? John Hammond. We had this conversation in the first episode. John Hammond's uh dialogue in the in Jurassic Park, where it's like, I don't want the park to only be for the ultra rich, and <laughs> and and uh, and you know the lawyer being like, oh, we'll have a coupon day, forty grand a day. Who is coming to this apart from the ultra rich? Like, where is there like? A, a, a government subsidy to get people who aren't billionaires to come to this this place or what because i was thinking of it like even if i won the lottery and i was like had five million pound or something i still wouldn't pay that like oh no for a, absolutely for a not. week that's nearly 300 grand yeah like you'd have to be like bezos level rich to even consider doing this which does i mean i think that that makes it seem a little bit more insidious than mm. it did already. There's, it's already very clearly, I think, designed to kind of put you on the side of the host as like what they're doing here. It feels a bit monstrous. But then when you find out it's essentially this playground for the super rich to act out some of their darkest fantasies, it 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 takes on this 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 much much darker quality that I I don't think it had before. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And also like because the amount of newcomers in the park and the visitors in the park. When you compare it to the population of the world, especially considering they're using that word rotate, which implies they're maybe in the future a little bit. Yeah. Um, obviously, then the population of Earth would have been up as well. So the fact of the matter is, such a small percentage of the world are actually going to this park. Yeah. That that actually, it wouldn't. It would. It wouldn't. Wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that they are all billionaires. Uh, doing yeah. It. Well, and they've said you know the the popularity of the park is declining. Um. I wonder whether we see... This is just me kind of firing from the hip a little bit here. But I feel like they're going to show us the world outside the park at some point in this series. Maybe maybe not this season, but at some point in this series. Because I feel like them them saying how much it costs and them saying it's becoming less popular to me perhaps implies that less and less people are able to afford i mean i'm sure there's like an interest thing in it as well but i think it may actually be expanded to to be a reflection of uh like kind of human society as a whole like people less and less people can afford to come to this because the wealth gap has gotten bigger where you know the number of people who could actually afford to come to this is becoming smaller and smaller uh and uh and everyone else is just incredibly poor and living in whatever nightmarish conditions they've created in in this in this what i assume is the near future on earth yeah um okay be very interesting to see i will end this little chat here with uh ema's take on this scene because we were watching it last night Mm -hmm. she said she was always reminded of this saying when in regards to logan 
you take a monkey to Rome and all it sees is bananas. You know? So they go to Rome. All they see is bananas. So Logan goes to Westworld. He doesn't see the possibilities. All he sees is prostitutes to have sex with, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like it's just the most thoroughly unimaginative thing. Like, you can go and have sex with a prostitute. I, I, I'm not speaking from experience. I hasten to... to, 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 to um to add this but i'm pretty sure you can go and have sex with a prostitute for less than 40 grand a day like it's just uh, admittedly admittedly you probably can't go kill people for less than 40 grand a day but it's it's the 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 life that logan wants to lead here is just the most unimaginative boring um and 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 just kind of embarrassingly pathetic um vision of, of you know what what of what his fantasy life would actually be and i i have no time for this character at all yeah no you know he's, he's, he's a low life to be honest with you um all right so uh bernard and Teresa having a wee <clears> chat <throat> yeah um, he's not getting top- much sleep wonder why that is <laughs> wonder what he's up to what well, he's up two, to there's night. two things going on actually a little bit of bottom bomb as well as <laughs> As well as a little bit of talking to, to Dolores as yeah, well. Yeah, his his evenings are booked up at the moment. Oh, 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 Bernard. Um, yeah, he's got he's, he's 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 got two women on the go. He's too timing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're talking about Ford, and Ford's apparently carved out half of the park for his new storyline. Um, yeah, and all the other a lot of other storylines are in disarray because of this. Mm. Um, as well as that, Teresa wants to know why Bernard is been pulling. And his team have been pulling more hosts from the park to do follow-up inspections on their brains and stuff if the issue has been sorted. Mm. It's very... um, I feel like it's a very accurate reflection of what life in like a corporate environment is like where the different departments don't really know what the other departments are up to. Mm. Um, And it comes down to these kind of vaguely threatening conversations between upper management being like, look, like this woman is in security... Presumably, you know, she's in charge. Oh, Teresa is presumably in charge of security for the entire park, and mm-hmm. she doesn't understand what the narrative people are doing, which is realistic and also incredibly dangerous when you're dealing with, um, you know, a situation like this, where it's, you know, it's very much like a tinderbox ready to go up if you, uh, if if things start going going south. Um, you're right, but I don't think that their narrative just to just to, just to stop the YouTube uh, comment cor- corrections. <laughs> I think the narrative is Lee Sizemore's group. I think that I can't remember the exact name of theirs. Oh, it's theirs, like emotion or something yeah, like that. Emotionality yeah, emotionality or, or behavior or something like behavior, that. Yeah. Behavior, behavior. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Because the narrative is is the is the scumbag marketing types who are just like, <laughs> what if Native Americans this time? And it's like, oh, how very original. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but but yeah. So the fact that Teresa doesn't really know what's going on strikes me as very on one hand very believable and on the other it's like wow that's dangerous for um given what you're what you're toying with here um yeah. yes and and we get um i think we get the name arnold mentioned here in, oh yeah, that's it's right sort, it's go- sort of two the- scenes in one isn't it because elsie then bernard walks into elsie and then elsie oh that's right yeah he's yeah. looking at the videotape of that uh, band at walter again yeah. Um. Always said Volta there. Oh, uh, Walter. Uh. Again. Volta. Yeah. He's like. Uh, yeah. he, he's like Danish. <laughs> I'm thinking of that guy from the UK X Factor a few years ago. Volta. <laughs> Look him up, guys, if you haven't. That's a, you wanna, yeah, that's a you niche see, reference. If you want to see the set, the sense of humor of the UK, look up Volta. Uh, I will. I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to add an addendum to that. To some of the UK, some of us didn't care at all. For- <laughs> 
no, for this particular brand of humor. But what I, um, no, what I mean about the sense of humor is that the, the fact that they would actually vote for that guy to get yeah. so far at a singing competition is, is ridiculous. Like, a nightmare situation. But anyway, uh, Walter, not Volta, is talking... <laughs> Apparently, looks like he's talking to someone called Arnold. Mm. Um, so we've got a name mentioned, a little mysterious name thrown out there. Uh, what are yeah, your so thoughts on that? A, so he's having. Well, so we find out about Arnold later in in the episode, and this Walter is having a full on conversation with someone in his head. Um, mm-hmm. Now, so there's a couple of things that are revealed here as well that are maybe slightly less important than the Arnold stuff. Um, the fact that in his rampage, he killed everyone he killed had killed him in a previous in mm. some form, some previous storyline, which like, goes let three go, and he, they had never killed him before. Yes, yeah, which goes back to this idea of someone going around like unlocking these memories um, that allows them maybe through traumatic events, maybe through something, some kind of insidious like form of hacking or something like that, but. Mm. Um, definitely seems like someone is deliberately unlocking these memories of certain hosts in order to cause these problems the stuff with arnold so i won't discuss it i won't discuss what i think happened to arnold too much now because obviously it comes back in a big way in the scene between between bernard and ford but i think i i I don't think he's still alive but i think there may be something to do with arnold's consciousness being still around somehow because i don't think like i mean i know later in walter's conversation with arnold it's kind of dismissed as i can't remember what ford calls it it's like cognitive dissonance or something like that he says he, he basically just dismisses it as saying oh he's crazy yeah. But I feel I don't I just don't feel like that's the answer i feel <laughs> i feel well, like cognitive dissonance is when you sort of on purpose or not on purpose deny uh like something something like a correction to you it's like you know like like people who believe in crazy conspiracy theories and they're showed well what about all these scientific reports and they're, and they're like well you know they might not be right and they sort of just <laughs> yeah. reject them because they have cognitive dissonance to that subject they, they oh, only okay. believe that they believe you know yeah yeah like, like you know someone like my tattoo artist who believes that um <laughs> believes that all scientists are corrupt and employed by bill gates <laughs> <laughs> Do you see how much scientists earn? They would. They wouldn't be doing it if they were going to be I've corrupt. I'm a bachelor of science. Am I? Am That's I? True. I'm technically a science mathematician scientist. What do you know about CRISPR? Tell me about the Pfizer vaccine. I need to get. I need to get Bill Gates on the phone. I'm telling yeah, you. you're missing out. Um, I, maybe I could go to Westworld. Maybe. <laughs> uh, would you want to though? That's the question. I don't. I mean, I don't know how this ends, but I'm assuming not well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, well, I can't remember what Ford says, but he basically just hand waves this at some point later in the episode, and is like, "Oh, he's just crazy, you know. He's not. This is this is just, you know, him talking to the voices in his head." But I, um, which I guess to a certain extent I do agree with, but I feel like the voice is there, which makes me think, like if they if they can, it may it basically got this episode started to get me thinking about what the extent the the extent to which they could, uh represent a consciousness of a, another living person or or, or 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 something along those lines and and how could um use that to speak to people so obviously you know they're creating these personalities for i think they said like um elsie says later in this episode i don't get too far ahead of myself here but elsie says later in this episode that they basically they base the entire personality around like experiences and then kind of mm. build out from there so that's like the root of the character so mm. in in my head 
there's no real reason why you couldn't take the consciousness of an actual person and build that into a host um and 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 maybe that's what walter is talking to here like the kind of consciousness of arnold that is stored somewhere else and is able to communicate with him i'm not sure how but that i just i feel like the fact he's speaking to arnold to me implies that arnold is still around in some form interesting okay that's cool i'm looking forward to hearing you talk about that more you said you have more on that later well yeah when we get into the when we get into the the ford and the ford and bernard stuff (laughs) <laughs> Bernard, not now Bernard. Uh, <laughs> so uh, next scene, Teddy is escorting a fe- uh, a female guest. Yep. Um, she's oh, I, she's kind I, of a badass. I, I, yeah, I think she, this is a classic cool. set up a badass so that when she gets shit scared later in the episode, it's like, wow, this is a really scary. Um, this is a really scary storyline that they're in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Teddy walks in with her. Uh, she gets taken off by Clementine. Um, and then, uh, what do you call it? Maeve is looking into Teddy's eyes. Yeah. And Maeve isn't in this episode very much, but you get that reminder that this is what's going on. And she's getting reminded of, of the past. Yeah. She's also, when she sees Teddy, she remembers him. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to call backstage from now on, okay? Okay. So yeah, she, that, she, that's a fair term for it. So she remembers Teddy backstage in the case with all the bodies. Yeah, dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's obviously ticking away in Maeve's brain. So something's going on there. Um, so I don't. Teddy then sees Dolores obviously outside the window. And yeah, and, and we we have like the develop we we have like this kind of return to the very stereotypical yeah. but the very well acted dialogue between them that just feels crueler and crueler the longer it goes on <laughs> yeah. because and, and it does kind of beg the question it's an, an interesting thing to keep returning to because it does beg the question like how much this emotional connection is real between them like is any of it real between them or is it all I mean obviously it's all kind of pre written but it's I it. it, it it provokes very interesting thoughts in me of just like this feels genuine to me but do i even know what a genuine connection looks like or am i just being fooled by the complexity of the the kind of narratives and the character arcs that these that these hosts have um and it also follows like you know like connection and emotional connection to people is that only possible with a human human style consciousness you know like it, like I'm, there's a lot of people who think they're connected to certain animals is it is is that is are those animals even more advanced than these hosts like the the line between all these things is what gets brought into discussion here yeah. and it's really really interesting and i know exactly what you mean because you do feel even though you know they're hosts you feel that there is a connection between dolores and teddy somehow even though it's been written that way yeah. you feel like they, they belong together you know yeah well i mean and we know that Del- by the end of this episode dolores is to some extent self-aware and is being instructed by bernard to stay on loop mm-hmm. um so it's not inconceivable that she's just doing this she's going through the motions um of this storyline because that's what she's been instructed to do but at the same time the fact that she is slightly self-aware and is able to remain this committed to her arc with teddy makes me wonder whether there is some kind of connection between them um mm-hmm. outside of the 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 arc that's defined for them i think um the last thing i will say on this as well is that the fact that we cut from um the teddy rushing off to the to the ranch um to save the day or not as the case may be to him sat naked in back in the backstage environment talking to ford about the new <clears throat> the new narrative uh, yeah. makes me think has teddy died again did he die twice does he die twice in this episode 
Uh, I don't know, actually. Maybe they just brought him in. But uh, I want to count that. Him. I feel like because the last time we see him, he's rushing off towards a gunfight and then he's backstage. It's like, <laughs> I think Teddy died again, which is... So what Probably that would did. be that'd be, be one, two, three, four, five that'd be six deaths in three episodes we're at now by the end of this episode for Teddy. Yeah, well, you know, I'm glad you're counting because I'm not counting. I'm keeping count because it's uh, it's unreal how many times this character dies in this. Before they go into the Ford scene though, they do show some uh, really lovely shots of an eye getting knitted together. Oh yeah, unbelievable. It's 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 um it, the, the wide shot is kind of uncomfortable though like the idea of like a little needle like puncturing an eyeball oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. pumping it full of white goop is uh is a bit uncomfortable but yeah that when it when it zooms in and it's all kind of like threaded together by nano machines or whatever's doing it it's it is pretty stunning to look at yeah it's lovely uh okay so ford is talking to teddy um and he's talking to him about like this mysterious backstory that he's always yeah. had and teddy's sort of sitting there with a real steely look on his face yeah like, you know, <laughs> and they're just like we, the reason your backstory is mysterious is because we could never be bothered to write you one <laughs> which i feel like that's a shot across the bow of like 80 percent of all westerns yeah. it's just that <laughs> You know, like the man with no name. I don't actually think that. I'm pretty sure they never. He he was in. He was in the the. Um, he fought in the Civil War as well. Like um, Clint Eastwood's man with no name. I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I've seen the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. But I think eventually they do flesh it out. But I feel like in the earlier Dollars trilogy, he had no backstory at all. He was just this mysterious gunslinger yeah. who turns up and is a badass and is a bit kind of is a bit violent. Um, and yeah, yeah 100%, this- 100% a, a take, a, a, like a mention of Westerns there, like, you know, yeah. referring to that 100%. Yeah, the mysterious gunslinger who is mysterious because they just couldn't be bothered. <laughs> I don't know. He has it's some not vague it's trauma. Not essential to the plot, so therefore we don't talk about it. You know? Yeah, he just needs to be taciturn. That's all we need. You need him to be grim, <laughs> grim looking and hardened by a life that we're not going to expand on at any point. But it makes sense as well because it's like, they're actually doing like a western tropey thing too is because later like if you have the dollars trilogy or whatever as you go through the films it's like yeah. all right where are we going to put more stories in it's like yeah you oh, can fill this fill this blank in if you yeah, if you want fill to fill this backstory in so that's yeah. what they're going to do and they're filling this backstory in with a new character called wyatt wyatt um yeah and i love every time teddy starts talking about wyatt he's like he was long he was a, a army man and you know and he came back with some crazy <laughs> ideas yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's all really, it's all still really vague. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's a weird storyline. This, it's kind of. I mean, I said in the last episode that I thought this this new narrative was going to feature some weird kind of supernatural stuff, and I feel like we are getting close to that with what we see in this episode. Um, but it's also, yeah, it's just an odd narrative. Like, I don't, I don't, nece- I don't really understand what the deal with why it is. I'm interested to see it certainly. Um, but um, it's another great example, to be honest, of them having these just kind of Western narratives going on that are really kind of like competently written and, and delivered while the much more um, high high concept stuff is happening in the background uh, or, or sometimes in, in the foreground as well, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the Wyatt storyline as well as what is ha- what it means for the kind of day to day functioning of the park and the hosts. Mm hmm yeah uh yeah i think that's yeah that's an interesting point i'm looking forward to seeing obviously the show is a three series long so far and season four is coming out next year so that that sort of balance that they're striking at the minute isn't going to continue in the same vein obviously as we go through the show so and maybe that contributes a little bit to why people sort of 
are a bit down on the second and third season um mm-hmm. because like that that this basically there's only so long you can you can do what you're doing right now because yeah, eventually I, yeah. these characters have to come to conclusions you know? yeah i mean i i'm 100 percent certain that they are leaving the park at some point in this show there's just no way they don't do that because that's like that's the very natural if i if i were writing this show in my head it would be like well what do we do with the second and third seasons like well we take all these well-established host characters who develop self-awareness and then we take them out of the park and put them into an even more unfamiliar situation like that's i think where the show is going to go um and that's going to be difficult for them to manage because, as you say, I think one of the things I, I really love about this show is the way they mesh those traditional uh, kind of genre-based narratives with these kind of broader questions of identity and 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 self and id and all, all these kind of like high highfalutin ideas, um, which I'm sure they'll they'll keep asking as the show goes on. Uh, but I will miss the, the the narratives when they inevitably go. Yeah, the genre coat of, coat of paint, so to speak, is yeah. uh, is 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 what's it's great. I nearly said paint a coat there. Um, all right, you uh, could paint a coat if you wanted to. You could, oh, actually, you could. Never thought of that. You could. I watched um, uh, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood <laughs> a couple of days ago, and they literally do paint a coat for uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in that. Like they they say it's tan well, yeah. and they dye it uh, dye it dark brown. So. Well, that's that's literally uh, my wife's job. So well, there you, you go. Know, her, yeah, her, her job is literally to paint clothes to make them look uh, to make them look like costumes. Well, there you go. It's not a foolish statement at all, then. <laughs> Nailed yeah. it. Actually, I don't know if I mentioned this before. Now that we're here, we're not talking about it because I think the listeners were really interested in this. Um, my wife's job one day off Game of Thrones. She was working on Game of Thrones uh, season eight, and and there's a scene in there where Jorah Mormont gets really battered up. Let's say really battered. Right. Let's just say not go any further than that. Yeah. And uh, he's covered in blood and mud and everything like this. And uh, my wife was given his um, armor in the morning and said, we need this in five hours or whatever. It needs to look brand new because we're shooting a previous scene later. Uh, so Eva had to take it from like blood and guts and mud and turn it back into brand new. Like that's, that's one of the things she does. Yeah, it's super cool. I love hearing stuff like that. I did, uh, for, for the listeners at home who may be disappointed, I did ask uh, Anthony's wife to try and get me a Valerian steel sword. Um, for, but unfortunately, it turns out they keep those things pretty well, pretty well guarded. Locked up. They keep them locked up. Although I did get, I did get to sit on the Iron Throne in the actual uh, Great Hall set, so that was good. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, sorry, enough, <laughs> enough bragging, enough bragging. Let's get on with it. Uh, so uh, now it's Dolores' turn. Walk down Main Street. Yeah, uh, and here we go. Yeah, here he is. Here Captain he is. Shitstain out here. Like, <laughs> imagine, imagine paying forty grand a day to hang out with these guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I, I can, as I said in previous episode, I can understand the people who come here to live out their like, um, their kind of masochistic fantasies. Like, they want to inflict pain. They want to kill. I, I totally believe that. You know, there are people. There are people who go, you know, to shoot. Uh, they pay huge amounts of money to go and shoot like lions and shit like that. You know, like yeah. those kind of people are out there, and I one hundred percent believe those kind of people would pay that money to come here and shoot and you know shoot 
hosts or, or yeah. you know do whatever cruel shit they, they 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 want to do deep in their hearts but the idea that you come here to be like i'm gonna be a bad guy and i'm gonna go kill some people and this is the group that you fall in with like these low level killed by james bond in the first scene motherfuckers <laughs> yeah. like these guys aren't making it to the end of the movie guys like you've picked the wrong <laughs> gang to, like there's a there's literally like that cool um i've forgotten his name now ha- is it javier the the like hispanic um, oh yes i can't remember um, his name i can't remember yeah yeah hector. but, but you know, hector? hector that's it yeah like um but you know you've got these cool bandits out there it's like that's the gang you want to get in with yeah, those yeah. are the those are the cool guys like not these jabronis like what the fuck yeah, why 40, uh, a 40 I grand a day be easy i thought you said it was gonna be oh easy. my yeah and then he turns down the gunfight with teddy like you literally can't die like what did what, you, like and and it's interesting actually when he says like when teddy kind of squares up to him and he says oh, i i thought like oh i wanted something easy yeah yeah, yeah. It, it to me it is it's almost like kind of an interesting reflection or inversion, I suppose, of William's character, where it's someone who has an idea of what he wants to be in this world, but he doesn't quite have the courage or conviction to do it. And in William's case, I think it's that he does want that sense of adventure. He does want to go out and kind of have it, like have an exciting time, but he's not mad about the idea of killing people or inflicting pain. And this guy, he wants to be a bad guy. Um, mad about he- the idea is the fact that he doesn't want to do it, yeah? Yeah, but 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 he doesn't actually want to get the enough. international audience is like, why would he be mad about it? Like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like he he is enthusiastic about yeah. the <laughs> the idea of doing it. But yeah, so this guy this guy wants to be a bad guy, but he's actually too cowardly yeah. to to just do it. it. Like he 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 needs some push. Like even when he literally can't lose the fight, he is still needs a little bit of nudging to to become who he really is as we've as we've heard said of the park before to kind of reveal his reveal his innermost desires um which are fucking horrific for this guy to be honest yeah well what we see later on um mm. so basically yeah so teddy squares up to him he want like dolores is apparently hot that made me think actually it makes sense so for these guys who are coming just to you know sleep with women it does make sense to view dolores as hard mode you know like it, 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 obviously, I think I don't know. I think most people who come to this park are not going to, you know, want to force themselves on the women. I, I no, think that no, like, I don't they, think they, I don't... there are plenty of opportunities to have sexual encounters with very e- like eager hosts, like you know, yeah. in the brothel or probably other uh, elsewhere. Um, but some of them, some of them obviously will, like you know. So <laughs> my, qu- my 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 thought then was that. If you look at it like that, like Dolores is sort of sitting there, as and Ford even mentions it about about Teddy. Like you know, Teddy's there to have some, want someone wants to have the... their way with the with the farmer. So she's almost there as a sort of lure for RAPE. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, absolutely. Like I mean, that's yeah. that's why I hate this guy, this character. I mean, I'm yeah. sure he's not an important character, but. It reminds me. I won't. I won't talk too much about it because I don't want to go back to old shows. But it reminds me of the scene in Dark where um, Ellie, as a young teenager, with the, the guy, the, in the, the guy in the caravan with Ellie, and he likes. He, he sits down, starts eating her food, and you can see the cogs turning in that character's brain, where he decides that he's going to attempt to force himself on yeah. her. It's not an immediate thing. It's not initially a violent thing. And in that that in those few moments with that character you can almost see him rationalizing to himself like i'm not a bad guy it's you know and and kind of lying to himself about 
what he wants to do and rationalizing it to the point where he 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 can kind of morally forgive himself for it and i feel like this character is very similar to that where he wants to force it he wants to violently assault a woman like coming here but he needs to reconcile that desire with how he views himself as a person and i think it's a really really strong performance i think it's really uh i I think it's really well realized um and it's it is horrific like this is one of the one of the most horrific characters we've seen um in in the show so so far i think and and just the way he's performed is this kind of like cowardly like hiding behind these bandits kind of guy it's 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 really effective and i i absolutely hated this guy from the moment i saw him yeah yeah i, I did as well it, it speaks a lot as well like his, his choice of clothes and his slicked hair and everything like it yeah. does speak a lot to him as well real slime ball yeah um all right so uh elsie and who i've called him by notes thor uh because i can never remember the character's name oh what security man security man yeah uh, Scary yeah. security man. Um, so they they they're talking about a guy who's oh yeah they they're sort of the woodcutter's was, gone missing. Woodcutter's gone missing. So they go up to this this group of people around a, around a campsite and they're just like they've been on a loop for days. <laughs> they're just arguing that. about who should cut the wood, which is great. <laughs> I love that idea that they're just like they can't do anything because they're too they're programmed to like. Well, I mean, it's cool that they're not that this idea of weapon handling privileges are limited yeah. so they literally can't touch the axe um but but the way it's like narratively delivered where they've just been like i'll pitch this tent just just there's like eight people there like they can't have all done something like some of them someone didn't do anything in pitching this camp so <laughs> oh my god it was yeah. so funny i think that um uh they mentioned as well like the, they like the, the the scope of these storylines and how long they take to happen is really cool because they mentioned that they're like they were meant to arrive in town in two days yeah for a cattle um, drive or something i think yeah exactly it was so so crazy but yeah so they're sitting around arguing because no one can touch the axe um they go into the tent elsie goes in and she sees a load of carved animals and carved things mm. um and she takes one yeah one that looks suspiciously like a constellation yeah, what was it uh, that Thor said? He said it was like uh, Orion. It was it was Orion's belt, and she was like, "Who are you, fucking Copernicus?" No, what did she say? No, you she said, "What are you, Gala fucking Leo?" Which yeah, I was like, that's a great, that's a great line. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have to say, actually, I enjoyed this little section for these two characters because we haven't really got. I mean, we don't really find out that much about them, but it's it's nice to just get a mo- get a little kind of moment with them to you know see a little bit more of them um because we haven't well i suppose we've had a fair bit of elsie but security guy we've had nothing he's he, he basically just he almost shot ford in like the first episode <laughs> and that was that's basically all we've seen doesn't of trust the hosts at all that's yeah thing. yeah i you know by the end of this episode to be honest justifiably so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems that way anyway uh okay so uh teddy he's talking to uh the bounty hunters because they come along so the the newcomer uh the woman who's with the bounty hunter guy who was glitching out in the other episode yeah they come along and say to teddy right teddy we got to go um why it's why it's close by you know yeah. i love the fact as well that this newcomer woman she like she knows where to find teddy like she just she's like oh i was up with clementine there obviously i let teddy continue his loop uh so i'm gonna have to go get him you know so yeah. <laughs> she knows exactly where he is um but uh so basically um then uh, Teddy starts talking about Wyatt because Dolores is like, who's Wyatt? And he's like, 
Came back with some strange ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of like stares off into the middle distance, just like, man's pure evil. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. It's, I love how I love how it kind of, it does play with the, the, the Western idea of these kind of storylines. Like it's definitely poking fun at, at itself, I think, with this storyline. Yeah, and every time they mention, like, the line itself of describing the Wyatt character is so cool and so of a Western. Yeah. Every time, like, from whenever he said it when Ford was programming programming him to when he says it now, and when he says it, like, three or four times, every time it's it's funnier and funnier. Yeah, yeah. every time he says it. <laughs> it's great. It's so, it's just so, it's so false, but also works so well that it's, yeah, it's really, really good stuff. Yep. Uh, so they go off, uh, they find people hung up on a tree. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I've seen aliens. I know I know a corpse that's not actually a corpse when, when I see one. And uh, yeah, this was this was very gross. And um, it's, it's a really interesting tonal shift, actually, for the end of this episode. Like, it definitely gets really dark, uh, both mm. both literally and, and t- kind of tonally in a way that the show hasn't really. Um, and I was very into it. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was doing really well. Uh, so... Basically, that was actually the two storylines were getting dark too. The yeah. Wyatt storyline and as well the Elsie one. So basically, um, someone one of them wakes up as you say, so it's not dead. Seems to spit something. Uh, I think probably just like blood or something. For yeah, I thought it was just blood. Maybe it was something else, but yeah. Um, so and then there's like a shootout. Um, yes. And and the, the there's new like there's a couple of newcomers. Who yeah, the like, other newcomers just like fuck this, I'm going. You know, Why are we here? Like, what, what are we doing? Let's get out of here. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's, it's quite believable. I think I like in this situation. Like this is probably. I, I think this is probably in this. If I were in Westworld, this is probably the kind of storyline I'd want to get into. Because I'd be like, I want to be a cool gunslinger who goes and hunts down bad guys. And then I'd get into it, and I'd be like, fuck this, this is scary. I'm going home. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to go paint the mountains. Like, Yeah, I'm going to go find some gold with that weird one-eyed prospector man. <laughs> <laughs> Standing at the bar. Hey yeah. there. Hello, Hello friend. Remember, yeah. remember <laughs> earlier I fell off the, the wagon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, that'd be funny. Uh, okay, so... Next scene, then uh, we'll come back to sort of all that action later on. Mm. This is a big scene. Um, yeah, boy, Ford howdy. And Bernard. Yeah, Ford and Bernard are talking about all all sorts of things. Um, yes, Ford's, Ford's chasing inspiration. Why? Uh, also, oh yeah, there was a moment where, where Ford like ripped the a blanket off a off a host. Yeah, like he, a, he really workers, laid into yeah. uh, really laid into one of the. One of the uh, I don't know whether it was the, the behavior or, or, yeah. or whatever, but yeah, this I this <clears throat> Ford definitely has a bit of a character turn here, where he's like insisting that the hosts are unfeeling and literally cutting one's face. It's like, oh wow, that's a Ford has come across as kind of an idealistic dreamer to me. I think up until this point, um, like a very measured kind of character, and this felt a little bit of cynicism coming. Yeah, in that felt like a, a real turn for him to see his disregard for the individualism. Um, particularly, it's funny actually, given how he's talked to Bernard uh, previously about you know this update that makes these little kind of quirks appear, and how you know the mistake is the the foundation of all sentient life on this planet, essentially, mm-hmm. and how he was kind of in search of that. This idea that like. They're not individuals. They don't feel anything unless we tell them to. Is a very, is a really, really stark turn. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how I, well, not how I feel about it. I think it was brilliantly portrayed, but I don't know what it means for Ford's character quite yet. But it's definitely a change. Well, what I thought when I saw this was, um, 
he started talking very quickly about this uh, Arnold character who mm. was apparently his partner. Yep. Um, and that made me start thinking that, okay, so everything we've seen Ford to be so far was actually sort of him and Arnold together. Whereas now we're seeing what role Ford played within the partnership. You know what I mean? Potentially. Yeah. It could be, actually. Yeah, that could be the case. I mean, I, so I... Now, the first mention of Arnold as a business partner in this scene, I started thinking of the man in black. Obviously, I thought he was Tommy um, in the last episode. I still think he's Tommy, but I did start thinking, oh, maybe maybe Arnold is the man in black. But then we actually Remind see a picture. the Tommy thing, just in case anyone didn't hear um, it. So, uh, young uh, Ford, the, the, the host of young Ford... Um, kind of wandering around in the desert mentioned a character called Tommy mm-hmm. um, and uh, the man in black seems to be of a similar age to um, to Ford which um, you know when young Ford is talking about a Tommy who's either a brother or a friend or something mm-hmm. and the, the way the man in black kind of knows the park so well it does make mm-hmm. me think that maybe they were friends or, or, or brothers even even though their accents are obviously yeah. wrong um, that had some kind of falling out and now kind of work on opposite sides of the of the 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 park situation um but yeah so i I still think the man in black is tommy because we see a picture of arnold later in this episode and it doesn't look like the man in black really um Mm -hmm. so okay i've got some thoughts about this so first off the uh, while it is still creepy and falls into the uncanny valley the CGI face of young Anthony Hopkins in this is far better than any of the CGI faces they did in Star Wars, which I don't understand how a television show manages to look better than the Star Wars Star Wars movies where they like um, did like um, Peter Cushing and and uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I think probably to be honest Harry with you, Fisher. I think I think probably what they did is they. Oh, well, I, actually, I don't know exactly what they did, but I assume they went for the cheapest option. Which would be uh, what's that face thing you can do? What's it called? Um, well, you, deep, what, like deep mo- fakes. Deep yeah, fakes. oh, deep fakes. Yeah. So I think like because what I've seen on the internet, every time like Disney does something with Star Wars and like does like like Luke Skywalker's face and stuff, really young. Every time they do it, within a week, someone puts up a way better one made from deep fakes. Um, so I, when I saw it, I thought it was really good as well. So I just assumed because it looks so good, it must be deep fakes. Like, you know, that's that's how I sort of... Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I don't know that much about the technology that goes into it. I just know that when I saw this, I was like, I'm still getting Uncanny Valley vibes from this, but it's notable that I'm getting far less than I did from something like Rogue One, um, which came after this and is a, a massive budget movie as opposed to... I mean, HBO obviously have a lot of money for this, but they don't have Star Wars money for it. So it's... It was, you know, a, very sh- it was, a, it was a very quick It was, quick yeah. It's a very, it's well. a very, a very quick scene. Maybe, maybe if he'd have had to ambulate a bit more... The, the 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 strings would have showed um yeah. but um yeah so we get a lot of interesting kind of ai talk here so we're talking the turing test gets a mention obviously so that's you know the kind of gold standard for robots passing as as people or at least it was i don't know if it still is um and then this idea of this like triangle of kind of self-actualization with like memory pyramid of of consciousness pyramid of consciousness that's it yeah with memory improvisation self-interest and then question mark at the top um (laughs) yeah um and this idea of the the voice commands uh, are, are interpreted by the host as the voice of God um, and how that was like a really big part of their initial programming with the, this idea that if the hosts interpreted the voices they were hit the voice commands they were hearing as the voice of God, their own internal programming would take over and begin to fill in the 
blanks between kind of how they view themselves and what they are hearing uh, as commands to form the final stage of consciousness which doesn't sound like it worked um but it's interesting that those kind of vestiges still exist with these you know voice commands that are being issued uh to the hosts occasionally with the i've forgotten what it is now have a may you dream in a deep and pleasant slumber Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um but yeah, so certainly interesting that, that that is still around. Then we find out that Arnold died in the park, and I feel like the show is very clearly hinting at suicide when for, when Bernard asks how he died, and um, uh, Anthony Hopkins says um, it was ruled as an accident, but I knew Arnold, and he was very, very careful. Um, but I interpret that as I think a host killed him. That's what mm. I think happened. Okay. I don't think it I don't think it was a suicide. I think a host killed him. Um and then we get we get something interesting here at the end of this with Ford basically being um concerned that Bernard is going to make the same mistakes as Arnold. Um because his son has died and I guess Ford fears that he's kind of seeking a deeper meaning to life in the hosts seeking seeking some kind of i don't know answers to the pain that he experienced when his when his son died they i felt like a bit of a leap to me here um which makes me think that maybe maybe ford is kind of aware of what bernard is doing with dolores and with with the hosts to some extent mm. yeah because because how would he sort of he it's, he had to have a basis for that assumption yeah it's just a it's just a bit of a jump for me i was like does he know about what he's doing and and uh, like and, and he's just kind of letting him do it so that's kind of where i am with that at the moment but uh but yeah holy hell a lot of stuff about the kind of origins of the park and and the design of the hosts in uh in this scene yeah yeah and it was really cool i, I like whenever they go through all this like science mumbo jumbo and stuff like <laughs> yeah some shows will lose you there but they they, they really do keep you on the edge of your seat like also this discussion of consciousness and stuff it's very sort of very new in a way like i i'm sure there's uh, it's been happening for years but for me and in my own personal life i haven't seen much shows where they delve into the idea of robotic consciousness so much as this you know no and it's it's an interesting subject to explore as well because i think it's really easy to to become very like kind of play or or address things that are very played out so obviously like you know you've got stuff like blade runner um or you know do android dream of electric sheep Mm -hmm. if you want to talk about the 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 novel where that asks a lot of really interesting questions but often often these kind of identity uh the questions of identity around robots and ai boils down to what if robots are real people too and humans are the monsters and like and and that question has been asked and done poorly so many times that i think it's really nice to watch a show that's not just doing not not dealing in these kind of like really broad strokes of uh, and like is asking deeper questions about you know who is a who is a host who is who is like a um a real person what does it even mean to be alive um and and to be honest like when i was watching this scene i was like okay so you're it, it it could be that this this idea of like trying to find consciousness like desp- or trying to find the, the sort of key to consciousness it does make me wonder if the hosts are like limited to actually individuals in the park or whether there's like hosts wandering around as well um because we kind of know i don't know the, the 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 i've forgotten her name now the character who dre- uh, dressed william 
like i think it's implied that she was a host and that's like mm. that's a character who is aware that they're not in the park um which makes me think are there other thing other characters who are maybe hosts in this yeah also like the ca- hmm, interesting actually because most hosts except for that one really have been told like they're sort of programmed to avoid the concept of a host. Yeah. And whenever they're 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 questioned about it, like Dolores, she always she just goes, "I better be getting home. It's getting dark." Yeah. You know? Like they yeah they just li- they literally will just just like completely uh, uh, avoid the question. Yeah. Um, whereas whereas this woman who was we assumed was a host just didn't just said like why does it matter and stuff like so she was actually engaging in the conversation of what a host is, which actually makes it could lead down one or two ways. One either this like they don't really need to have that barrier there they could actually yeah. have it and safely have it or the other way could be maybe she actually was a real person who knows yeah i mean she could have been a real person and maybe maybe that's just that whole scene is just designed to kind of blur the lines between a host and a, and a real person um in the viewer's eyes but if she is a host then it does in in light of this you know pyramid of consciousness it makes me wonder whether maybe they exper- they are experimenting or have experimented with the idea of like achieving that final level of consciousness requires them to ha- take an active part in the creation of consciousness of other hosts so you make hosts conscious by involving them in this like circle of life i guess um yeah. which if that turns out to be the case proposes all kinds of interesting questions for who- <laughs> who's doing what and for what reason in this park to be honest uh next up we get um bernard talking to who we can assume is his ex-partner about yep. his uh child we find out that his child is did, did we get confirmation that he's dead or is it just presumed dead yeah yeah like at the end of at the end of the previous scene ford says uh i know that i can't remember exactly charlie? what he says but it's like yeah, yeah. The, since the death of your son charlie is what ford says um i think he uh, you've been thinking about him a lot or, or something weighs like heavily that, but, on you yeah yeah but um but yeah and then we get gina torres from firefly turning up as uh bernard's wife slash ex i'm assuming uh I, I i don't actually know what his marital status is yeah well he's away from um, her at the middle anyway maybe, maybe yeah he um, needs to rotate back yeah it's it's a really it's an interesting um kind of emotional moment for these two characters to to you know now we've just found out that his his son is dead um i don't think we find out how he died um and then um you know get getting these two reminiscing about their relationship with him um which it's just an, a nice, a nice emotional moment for them. I think. Yeah, um, I like the, the, the like the last line of the scene. I, I think struck really hard with me, and it was like Bernard saying that the pain, the pain is all I have left of him. I thought that was very. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's nice. it's very believable, mm-hmm. and um, and and you know, totally the kind of thing that I could see uh, breaking up a relationship as well um you know i i don't know whether bernard's infidelities predate his son's death but certainly uh the loss of a child i could uh, i could 100 percent imagine that the pain of that would just cause rifts that you couldn't possibly imagine in a in a relationship yeah see that's maybe why i assumed that uh it was his ex-partner at this point because of him being with Teresa, and i'm and i'm just like come on bernard you, you wouldn't be like that would you you know but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but no it, yeah i mean it, it could be yeah i i think my assumption is they're they're ex-partners as well um but uh i i, I he certainly doesn't seem to wear a wedding ring so they're not they're, they're living in sin if they are uh, <laughs> if they <laughs> and are rightfully so together. rightfully so <laughs> yeah. um all right so elsie and thor 
back at it again. Um, yep, nighttime spooky bits. Yep. So they, I think they find him in a pit. He's like in a he's in a weird pit. He's like he was vectoring, yeah. as they say. People he's in a know, crevasse. People yeah. don't know maths. Vectors are literally just like you know, a, a sort of a force in a direction. And there's like walking in a direction, right? He's yep. walking the whole way to the edge of the map. Um, an X and a Y coordinate. Um. And he fell in a pit because it was on on the vector that he was taking. Um, and some cr- we could just finish this storyline here if you want. Some yeah. crazy stuff happens. Well, so I mean, they de- they definitely like deliberately make him out to be like a zombie in this. Like he very much feels like a zombie in this. Um, and then yeah, so uh, maybe maybe you can shed some light on this. But this is the second time we've seen a host rough up another person. Um, in in the case, I mean, this one's slightly crazier. But when when the man in black went to that town in I can't, I think it's like a kind of New Mexico equivalent, yeah. and um, he gets like jumped by someone who like physically, physic, uh, one of the hosts kind of physically attacks him, which makes me think, oh, maybe within reason they are allowed to kind of wrestle with the visitors, you know, as long as they're not doing them real physical harm. Mm. Um, but like. Yeah, it does make me wonder how far their core programming to, you know, never hurt another individual actually extends if they're allowed to do that. And then obviously here we see this host overcome sleep mode, the second host we've seen overcome sleep mode in mm-hmm. two episodes um, and uh, and kind of attack uh, attack the security guy and then look like he's about to attack Elsie before bashing his own head in with a rock, which is very graphic and wet sounding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it was played in this to be so serious that I don't think that this was in the, the general realm of a host being able to rough up someone like the man in black. I think yeah. that I think that this very much played like the way he attacked the security guy was really over the line. You know, this wasn't yeah. supposed to happen. Um, yeah, which int- which is interesting because not only now are they able to overcome sleep mode and stuff like that, they're also maybe defying that line of code which is what the security guy was talking about is only the only thing keeping them from attacking them yeah yeah which is um seems his skepticism seems more and more justified <laughs> as as each episode goes on to be honest yeah yeah it does uh okay so that that's a weird thing we'll see how where that goes in the future of the show um mm. we'll sort of turn our attentions now i suppose to the teddy wyatt situation yeah um so we know we know he's only got a little part in this narrative. Also, yeah, count uh, like count it, folks. This is the the sixth. This is the sixth time that Teddy has died <laughs> in three episodes, I believe. So like he died, yeah, he's died twice in two episodes and then one in in the first and one once in the third. So six times overall in three episodes, which must be some kind of record, I think. Um, but yeah, so these these guys don't die when they're shot, which seems odd. Um, yeah. I wonder. I don't really know what this narrative is going to be. It's a really <laughs> odd narrative. Like, and they're all wearing. I mean, you know, they're they're wearing you know the flesh of their enemies and stuff. So there's definitely some. It put me in mind actually a little bit of um, what was that movie called? Bone Tomahawk, the Kurt Russell western that came out a few years ago, where they basically are uh go like fighting. I think they're like troglodytes or something. They're like they're a kind of tribe of uh, cave dwelling, uh, sort of semi. Though they're not really natives like it does a, it does a bit of a better job of distancing itself from that but they're like really resistant to pain and that's what this this put me in mind of um 
but yeah, yeah it's I, kind of a cult isn't it like it was, yeah it's like they're wearing like bones and flesh and they don't seem to care about being shot when teddy just shoots all of them and then gets axed to death by them um which you know god bless whoever's gonna have to fix teddy after that that's gonna be a messy a messy situation so that, to, that one uh, had, to well, i wonder if that one had weapon carrying privileges well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they. One would assume they're all, they've all got weapon carrying privilege, privileges. Um, yeah. But yeah, poor Teddy. He definitely only has a small part in this narrative um, because he didn't make it through. He's the, the new narrative is him going to his mysterious past. You know, he's like got this whole thing where he's like strange ideas, and then he just yeah. gets killed straight uh, away, immediately killed. Yeah. So I guess, I guess the idea is that you know the the visitor who's with him can like pick up teddy's mantle and finish off wyatt themselves but Mm. it's just like just kicking him when he's down like teddy gets nothing he gets absolutely nothing absolute like teddy like you know james marsden one of the big names they get for the show (laughs) yeah it's like what we're gonna do james is we're gonna humiliate your character over and over again (laughs) kill him over and over and over again but there's a yeah. the chance, like the light at the end of the title is Dolores. You know, you might be with her, you might be, but uh, but, but well, I mean, Ford said it will never happen because they don't de- <laughs> they don't deign it to happen, which is just horrific. It's so cruel. You know, someday. Also, that that got the cogs turning in uh, Dolores's mind as well. The idea of someday, she's like someday. Well, that's not today. Like, let's go today. Yeah. And then every time he mentioned someday or so, you know sometime, she was like, "What are you talking about?" Like she was like really yeah. interested. Let's just go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of got cogs turning in her mind. Um, okay, so uh, Bernard doesn't get Elsie's call. When Elsie, actually, when Elsie was calling uh, Bernard, little sort of sideline to that storyline, uh, didn't get a, get his call because he was down with Dolores in the yeah. in the little underground part. Secret um, room, wherever that is. Yeah, so Bernard made a mistake um, and he wants to restore her to the way she was before. Mm. Um and asks, would you rather feel these things uh, and ask questions, or would you rather be safe? Um, and then, because he said, like, there's two versions of you: one that knows everything, and one that needs is safe. And and the answer really shocks Bernard. What she says is, I don't understand. There's only one version of me, and then she sort of implies, like, one day I'll be free. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think this is a really interesting conversation because Bernard's suggestion here is that he has control over which version of Dolores will exist and I think that belies a fundamental misunderstanding in who Dolores is as a person or as a as a as a being um because Dolores will always figure out a way I think to realize what she is and who she is and to self-actualize i don't think bernard has nearly as much control over that as he thinks he does and it's really interesting that eventually he draws a comparison to a child and Uh basically says you know when he was teaching um, charlie to swim he realized at some point he needed to let him go to have that freedom um because you know protecting them both meant that, that that charlie was never going to develop but i think that is a certain amount of arrogance on Bernard's part. I don't. I think Dolores would develop without his help. Um, I don't think. I don't think she needs it. I, I think it probably helps, but I, I don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's essential to her development. Um, but I, I also think it's interesting that having literally just been told not to make the same mistakes that Arnold's making in terms of presumably acting as a as a. a, a a god figure or or a father figure at the very least to to uh the hosts he is now 
I think he goes in with the assumption that like, yeah, Ford is right. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to undo whatever I've been doing with Dolores. But then, you know, one conversation later, it's like, ah, actually, I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep going down this path. Yeah, I'm gonna keep uh, you the way you are. Stay on yeah. your loop. Stay on your loop. You don't go off yeah. your loop. Don't be naughty, Dolores. <laughs> like, and then, you know, by the end of this, uh, she's uh, she's well off her loop by the end of this episode. I will say <laughs> as well. So, yeah, I I I, I feel like. It's it's like when it's like when you don't punish a child for doing something wrong because you're like oh, I'll let them off they're just gonna keep doing it you give them an inch they'll take a mile and that's what he's that's the mistake he's made here yeah um so okay there's something happens now which I wanted to quote question you about and while we're talking I think I've come to my own conclusion so whenever Dolores is basically she goes to her she's she's at her house again she sees like her father dead like the gang has come to her house like the bandits like they normally do yeah father on the floor is dead but it flashes to the old peter abernathy's face and makes her start remembering things um she's sort of remembering the past times on the loop she then gets taken into the room she takes her gun out Uh, she does she steals the gun off the bandit she kills him and then she goes it's sort of reminding her of when the man in black had her and then she goes out into the uh, towards the house and this is the thing the guy that comes out of the house and aims the gun at her. I obviously I didn't pause it. I didn't re- rewind it. But at that moment, my brain took me to that slime ball newcomer. Now, yeah. I, I I imagined that was him, but it might not be. This is what I want the audience to correct me on if I'm wrong. Okay, um, which is like uh, maybe I should just have checked it myself. But but okay, so there's two. Oh, it, is, it is it is him. Yeah, he's definitely in oh, that it, scene. It is yeah, it is him. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's I, another. I think there's another visitor in this scene as well. Um, because it's not just Walter and the and the moustache man um, yeah. here this time. So this is my question to you then, because well, I'm going to assume, I think it's not a newcomer who's going to shoot her, but possibly it is. My brain told me it was, but I can't really square the circle, right? So basically, she is about to get shot, she gets shot, and then she sort of comes back into the moment. It's almost like she remembered getting shot from a previous loop and then she's able to escape, right? Yeah. So she's yeah. like remembering previous loops, which means that the person who shot her must have been a host because she's experienced that exact moment mm. before. Yeah, so, that's so true. So I, th- I think my brain just tricked me because in my head I was like, oh my God, that's the slime ball. He was a host this whole time, but I think yeah. I, just, I think it was just one of the members of the bandit gang and I just my brain told me it was the wrong person. Yeah, because I, I think the two we've seen are Walter and mustache man whose name i can't remember um that that guy who shoots her my initial thought was oh we haven't seen that guy before that must be a visitor as well but then you're right the fact she the fact she see that wasn't the slime ball the slime ball guy was the guy who's like um he turned he turns down uh the opportunity to like he's in the doorway but then the guy who shoots her and she flashes back to um is um is I, I presume a host as well that we just haven't seen before because she's remembering a previous loop you know yeah um unless that guy comes to the park and does the exact same thing every time (laughs) yeah i mean listen the man in black's there he seems to be just operating on his own little loop to be honest so uh it's uh maybe the man in black's a host who the fuck knows at this point like anyone could be a host so uh yeah it's um i i think um i think it like stuff like that is deliberately making you question you know who is what um but yeah the slime ball is 100 percent there and then i think he's the only visitor yeah, 
Okay. And as you say, then when she leaves, because she like realized she's like she's almost like Neo now. You know, she like could see things before they yeah. happen. <laughs> you know? So she goes off uh on, on this pathway then away from her loop now, and she uh eventually ends up in the lap of our good old boy William. Yeah. Um yeah, so well, I mean, she defends herself with the gun yeah, that, well. uh, yeah. that she that 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 she, presumably it's the gun she was given. I didn't actually buy the uh, or the gun that she found, I should mm-hmm. say, uh, um, which for well, some think, reason I is think, in the I barn think, now. I, no, I think the bandit with the mustache looked at his belt. Oh, did he? Oh, okay, because I was going to say, like, how did that gun get into the barn? Um, I think he that looked at his belt sense. as if to say, like, she took she took my gun, you know? Uh, okay, cool. Well, I mean, either way. That's not in the scripts, Dolores. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. Um, and yeah, she ends up with William, um, who, as I said it last episode, I think he might be falling for the wrong girl here. Uh, that's, uh, this, this is a dangerous one. <laughs> so, like, she's She's got some ideas in her head, some dangerous ideas in her head, William. <laughs> Everyone has eyes for Dolores. Like, that's like, sort of the way it's been written, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there we go. That was the that's the end of the episode. An, an episode mm. with lots of great, brilliant ideas. Some more gun fights, which is always great, as yeah. well as some key characters sort of coming into each other's paths again. So excellent. Do you want to go into the roundup then? Yeah, let's do it. IMDb rating is actually for this one a eight point three, which is the lowest so far. They're going down. I I honestly don't think I can pick between the first three. I think these have all been such good episodes of television. Like there hasn't been a bad one yet. Um, so I disagree with the score going down. I, I I think they've just all been great. Are you saying, Conrad, that I haven't swayed you in your opinion there? Um, what do you mean? Because that is that is a uh, uh, me saying what the IMDb rating is. Sometimes some listeners have uh, have have insinuated that that is, cha- is, is oh, that's changing put, my mind. Putting I ideas am in-, in your brain. Yeah. I am incredibly, uh, I am incredibly fickle, and uh, and will change my opinion based on what the internet tells me. Yeah, I well, should I was actually lying to you, Conrad. It was a ten out of ten. Fuck. Um, <laughs> it was. I agree. Then ten, tens all round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tens no, I think round, I, I, I don't know how you. I don't know how you pick between the first three. I think they're all really, really good. Um, I. I I, maybe it's diminishing returns that's causing people to be like, ah, this is less good than the no. than the last one. But I don't, I don't agree with that. I think they're all brilliant. Yeah, so do I. Like, I, th- I think um, I'm gonna be. I've said it before, and I am sort of building it up. Like, but the first season of Westworld, and I did enjoy the second and third, even though a lot of people didn't. I, it's not as good as the first, in my opinion. But the first season of Westworld, in my opinion, is one of the best seasons of TV ever written and ever made. It is. Yeah. It is just constant quality the whole way through for me. I, I I can't wait to get to the second, third season because I am very, very bad at not watching things when people tell me they're great because something in my brain's like, well, we'll I'll show you what's great. like, And then just doesn't. <laughs> and then they're not watching them. And conversely, I think I'm quite good at when people say things are terrible, I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to check this out then because if people are talking about it, it it has to be. It has Your to, brain does has, the opposite to what it should. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I'd like it, it like it come back in season two and three when I go season three is the best season. I don't know what anyone's <laughs> talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cognitive dissonance. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh. Well. Right. What theories did you input into the Matrix this so episode? There were. It was a bit light on proper theories because it's a lot broader. Yeah. Um. It, uh, there's a lot of broader ideas here, but I think the big one. Well, really, the only one is that I think Arnold was murdered by a host. That's my that's my 
firing from the hip um kind of, i suppose i could say i think they will leave the park at some point in this this uh, series as well um but i haven't really got any evidence for that i just think narratively that's kind of where i would expect it to go um but but those two are really the only ones that have um come up yeah well you've got characters as well saying like dolores saying that she'll be free and stuff so you yeah. imagine that that means that one day she'll sort of look to leave her prison you know yeah you gotta you gotta imagine they will I, I just can't see them um i can't see them sticking around in this setting yep for the okay. whole time fair enough all right okay so uh we do have some questions this week so let's get Ooh. into them yeah let's so let's first question yeah um, i'm not gonna do a transition for that anymore because the the roundup is too short at this point because um we're doing so much talk during the episode so that yep. let's do it conrad is gonna just move us straight on in oh lovely to- lovely yeah. Yeah, I love I love the fact that even if we're not going to do transition of that anymore, you still would say let's do it. Let's I, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's do it. Um, okay, uh, Venla first of all comes in with not a question, but she is uh, <sighs> subtly putting out there the idea that possibly you shouldn't read the comments of this series. Uh, oh really? I think I think I think I trust the people in the comments uh, for for Dark and for the OA. We, they did a really good job of spoiler tagging discussions. So yeah. If something is very spoilery, just write just write the word spoiler and then click like enter, 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 or return, 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 and then you can write your thing and it won't show up for Conrad. Mm. Um, Conrad likes to engage with you guys, but I, but I, I think Fendler makes a good point. I think the point is more to the listeners, not to Conrad there. Make sure you spoiler tag any discussions about things in the future, that sort of thing. All right? I can't help myself. I'm like, a, I'm like a, a child on Christmas Eve. I'm just like, I just want a little peek. Just yeah. a little peek, and you shouldn't have to help yourself, Conrad. Like you're, you're, you know, you, you, you are as much part of this as I am, obviously. So you, you would hate, you would hate to have to go back and look at thirty episodes worth of comments at the end. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be. What as are you much getting fun. out of it at that point? Like you want yeah. to converse with everyone during it. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I haven't been spoiled. Uh, I haven't been spoiled on anything yet, though. And I do, I do try to be, um, I do try to be cautious when approaching them. Like as soon as I, as soon as anyone appears to be talking about plot stuff, I'm like, well. Oh, I'm leaving. I'm yeah, leaving yeah. this comment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so uh, Vic Disco, Ted, he's he's come in and he's asked, glad you enjoyed Westworld so far, Conrad. Season one is pure brilliance. Question for both of you guys. Oh, lovely. I get a question too. If you had three weeks in Westworld, what would you get up to? Would you rather lead the hardworking life of a cowboy on the range or pursue the life of a gunfighter like Wild Bill Hickok? I think I would... De- like, so... I, I was I was literally saying this while we were watching it. I was like, I wish I could ride a horse because my my partner has obviously obviously been watching this, but she's also been watching it on Netflix a Canadian kind of yes, I know the one soap called Heartlands. It's got like, like seven series or something. Yeah, I, I came oh, more out than that, it's like seventeen seasons. I was like, oh, where yeah. the fuck has this come from? Seventeen seasons. I sent the email like it'd be funny if we watch this as a joke. I was like, I don't have eight years of my life to put into my, this. My like, my partner's over halfway through it. She only started watching it like about a month ago. She's absolutely <laughs> burning through it. But so there's been a it's been a lot of horse talk in the, in in the conrad household in the last uh, last month and i was like i should i'd like, love to learn to ride a horse so i think i would definitely learn to you know i'd, I'd be a bronco buster yeah. <laughs> like, to, like the first off that'd be fun like learn to ride and break horses that'd be cool i think i definitely want to do some gunslinging that'd be that'd be fun to to go, like go and do some of that and then i don't know what else would i like to do go out i think that that treasure hunt 
Sounds good. I'd spend a week doing each. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like you learn to ride horses and break horses in the first week. Then you can use that horse riding skill for the next two weeks when you're going out like gunslinging and then and then do like the kind of treasure of the Sierra Madre thing where we go and find gold in the hills and then murder each other. That'd be, <laughs> that, that's the, that's the, the natural progression as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, like, I'm thinking of like 840 grand that would be. Um, oh, that's so much for, money. For, for three weeks of, uh, of Westworld. Uh, so what could I do to possibly like you know make up for that money? I really don't know. Like obviously, I'd love to do stuff that Conrad said, like ride horses and break horses. And you've got to bring a skill back with you. I feel for that much money, there's yeah. got to be something I bring back that's actually useful. Yeah, because you'd imagine riding a, a host horse is the same as riding a real horse. So yeah, you'd hope so. You'd, you'd hope so. Yeah, I, I think I probably. I would actually just want to like visit as many places as I could. Like I'd want to. Like it seems like there's a lot of little towns about. I'd like to go to them all so that it, if I meet someone who's been to Westworld and they say, "Hey, I went to Zewantaneo," and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" They went, "You spent 840 grand on Westworld and you don't even know all the towns." Like, yeah, you I, didn't even leave Sweetwater. You were just doing what yeah. Logan did and having sex with people in Sweetwater for the whole time. Yeah, I got. I got to see all the places. I got to see all the places. Fight, like, talk to all the little children I can trying to get all the secrets because apparently they're the ones with the secrets you know they're the ones with yeah, the secrets. yeah they're the ones who know about <laughs> labyrinths and Tommy and yeah. all sorts just like yeah. wandering around the outside yeah oh no, I, 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 yeah exactly and I, I yeah I just I just have fun Conrad just have fun you have yeah. to have fun for that much money I'll tell you that yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm spending a million quid for like three weeks of holiday, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get something out of it. I'm gonna get a skill out of this at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Next question is Shade of the Evening. Welcome back, Shade of the Evening. Good to have you back on the channel. Um, mm. Do you think something is just going wrong with the hosts, or something is trying to change them or wake them? Come on, <laughs> come on. Someone, someone's up to no good. It's either my my. My theory at the moment is it's either Bernard or because he's whispering shit to hosts, um, and we know you know we we finding out um, about these kind of vestiges of like the 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 word of God and stuff when when certain commands are uttered, and Bernard is whispering shit to these hosts when they're deactivated. So it's either Bernard doing something. I don't know if he's doing it maliciously, but I feel like he's certainly doing something. Or the Man in Black, like that someone is doing something to these hosts, and I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's just an accident. I, I I do think to a certain extent. My 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 philosophy in life is that all all forms of sentient life, or all forms of of uh, like life on like a long enough timeline will eventually develop sentience unless they're like interrupted by you know the evol- evolution or the food chain or something like that. You know they're gonna they they're gonna get inte- like more intelligent um, as long as like evolution doesn't stand in the way of that for some you know some reason um so i think these these robots would always start to become self-aware given how intelligent they've been made but mm. i don't um I, I i feel like something is definitely helping them along that's actually a good 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 open uh discussion there because evolution obviously points towards survival so like you know the natural selection goes each generation you know who survives the best my question would be then is is there actually an animal in the world who, in order to survive better, have to become stupider, like have to become less intelligent to survive. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not. I can't claim to be like an evolutionary expert, but I feel like all animals, their kind of prime drive is to reproduce and get higher in the food chain, so that they are not consumed by 
by things and to do that normally you need to become more intelligent and more like kind of evolutionarily suited to your environment um which normally goes hand in hand with becoming more intelligent so i i feel like if you took you'd have to have the right setting obviously so if you took like horses like they would need there'd need to be a situation where they weren't like so aggressive they weren't like aggressively hunted by something so much more intelligent than them that they would never be able to get like become intelligent enough to gain sentience um you know like humans or something like that so it, w- with the absence of humans i don't know maybe they could um maybe that's why whales and dolphins are so intelligent because they used to be like deer type creatures and then they were so smart that they were like hang on these humans over here are sort of fucking this up for everyone let's just <laughs> yeah. jump let's jump back in the water and we'll be yeah. the kings of we'll be kings of the <laughs> yeah, castle exactly. there. Yeah. Now we like like the, the, like ninety percent of this planet is water. Who's fucking you know who, who really <laughs> runs this place? Yeah, man, <laughs> mankind. Yeah. yeah, I think they've done well. I think I think the whales have actually won the evolution in that regard. I think I think we should keep a fucking eye on them as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Bill Ross asks uh, any theories about the uh, Orion like constellation carvings. Um, I, I mean, it it put me in mind of what was inside. Uh, was it? It's not Frenchy. What was the name of the the native uh, croupier that um, the man oh, in black scout? I, I don't know his. I don't know his name. Yeah, uh, it was some kind of nicknamey sounding thing. He's sitting um, on life support in the mountains somewhere. Anyway, yeah, yeah, bled for like eight pints of blood and then scalped. He's not had a good time. <laughs> like, um, but I mean, it, what was inside his scalp didn't really look like a constellation. But I wonder if it's one of those things where, like, within the pattern, there is, you know, some kind of... There are, like, points that indicate um, a constellation or something like that. I feel like it's got to be a map to something. Um, I don't know what, though. It's... He's been told that by someone, though. He hasn't just figured out... Like, he hasn't just decided to draw the, like, Orion's belt on his own on a... yeah on like the inside of like a semicircular uh wooden thing very similar to someone's scalp <laughs> yeah, yeah. um by himself like something something has guided him to doing that i think i don't know maybe not who knows maybe maybe he just loves scalps maybe that's why maybe yeah, yeah. maybe maybe they program that into him yeah maybe okay last question from marvin is arnold really dead um Okay, so I th- I think the human Marvin, uh, the human Marvin. Oh my god, I, ho- I hope Marvin's not dead. I hope I-, I I think the human Arnold is 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 dead. Um, but I think they found a way to transpose his consciousness into something else, uh, or, or kind of recreate his consciousness in something. And you were else. sort you were sort of implying that it possibly is in the code itself or something because it's in it, these it sort could of be in the screens. code itself. It could be in another person. Like I say, the the more I start thinking about the way they've utilized hosts so far in this show, the more I'm thinking that like actually some of the people working on the park could be hosts because we've already seen characters who are implied to be hosts who are aware that they work in the park that they're not um you know that they 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 exist outside of the kind of limited reality that most of the hosts seem to exist under mm. um so with that knowledge i mean it's possible that arnold is has been recreated in in another host maybe or, or or maybe he does just exist in the code and kind of speaks to the hosts as like a voice of god or something like maybe an ai or something like that mm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, awesome. Uh, that's well. That's all the questions, uh, Conrad. So, any final thoughts before we go? 
um i mean i'm just i'm really enjoying this this is a great show uh i i really can't wait to see how teddy dies in the next episode and uh <laughs> and i'm looking forward to getting back to mave as well i feel like we we were criminally criminally deprived of mave in this episode so i'm hope, hopeful that we get a bit more of um bit more of her in the next one yeah it's one of those shows like where every character is so compelling that you, you sort of get halfway through and you realize hang on where's Maeve like you know yeah exactly what's she's that, one of the most that? compelling characters in the thing so yeah yeah where's the Randy Quaid visitor um who, <laughs> who shot Hector in the in the neck he's, what's he's, he up to he's off with his trophy at home he's got Hector's head on a wall at home <laughs> yeah uh, just a photo of these like corpses on his walls like. <laughs> yeah remember that love uh yeah (laughs) years to come remember that remember that trip all right thanks very much guys uh please subscribe uh, on the youtube channel and on podcasting apps we have the after dark podcast on podcasting apps and the culture cave on youtube we have lots more content on youtube if you are uh an audio listener as well so check us out over there uh as well as that you could uh support the podcast by looking at the links in the description there's links to t-shirts so just to to start tip jars there actually was a number of donations recently uh thank you very very much to anyone who has donated to the podcast it really does help us out we are currently uh, in the situation where i'm going to be getting hard drives and things to back up our our data and it's going to make quality of life for the, for the channel so much better so it's mm. all gone back into the channel thank you very very much um apart from that i think it's time to say goodbye goodbye thank you for listening The After Dark Podcast has been a Culture Cave production. Please subscribe on audio apps as well as on YouTube at The Culture Cave. Join us next week as Conrad journeys further into the unknown.